in the name above every name, the name of Jesus Christ. Everybody said praise the Lord. I'm going to turn to the book of Jeremiah this morning because I want to give you the why first. <laughs> I want you to know why you're going to need something that Jesus has made available. Jeremiah chapter 10. Jeremiah chapter 10. I'll turn your attention to verse 23. Kind of just focus on that verse for a moment. Jeremiah 10, verse 23 reads on this wise, O Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself. It is not, everybody said not, not. in man that walketh to direct his steps. I will now turn your attention to the New Testament, to the Gospel according to John, chapter 16, verse 13. Now Jesus is giving you something right here. You take a good look at it. 16 and 13 of John. Albeit when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. Everybody said praise the Lord. Lord. Alright, you may be seated. The Lord bless you. Here we have a verse from the Old Testament, Jeremiah chapter 10, and it's telling us, giving us information about ourselves. So you can't... Uh, really point the finger at anybody else on this one except yourself, okay? Point the finger at yourself and it's not in me to be able to direct my steps. I'm going to get off course here. I'm born off course. That's why I have to be born again. Get me on track. <laughs> all right, so we're, we're all concluded unto sin, the book said. All have sinned, A-double-L, all have sinned, and we've all come short of God's glory. So we, we have great need of him and what he what his divine provision is. And he is made possible, provided for every man, every woman, every boy, every girl, every nation, every race or color, every language. He has made available his oh-so-great salvation. This isn't a brand X. This is not... Uh, you know, something that uh, somebody concocted or made up on their own because they had too much Taco Bell the night before. All right? This is straight from heaven. And the Lord himself came down from heaven. And if you don't believe that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, then you've placed yourself in a very bad category. Okay? A very bad category. So you tell yourself that you believe that the Almighty, who is a spirit, came down from heaven and robed himself in flesh. You might want to ask yourself where that flesh came from. And that flesh came from Mary and it got there because that spirit, our Heavenly Father in other words, who chose to come and show himself visibly, spoke the word, 
over Mary, just like he said, let there be the sun, the moon, and the stars. And it was. So it was that he spoke the word, and that which was conceived in her was of his Holy Spirit. It was a supernatural act. And a physical act gets physical children into this physical world. But a supernatural act brought the Son of God, or the flesh of the Spirit, the Lamb of the Spirit, into this world, supernatural experience, producing and giving to us the, the possibility, if you will take advantage of it, to have a spiritual experience that will put you into the spiritual realm. Two very different dimensions or realms or worlds, if you please. And we have, we're born naturally, by a natural physical act, into this natural world. But we've got to get out of the flesh here and out of the natural, we've got to get in the spirit. We've got to do that to understand God who is a spirit. John 4, 24. God is a spirit. So you keep that in mind because that spirit who is invisible chose to show himself visibly in the body of the man, Christ Jesus. The body that he himself provided by speaking the word. Okay? And so you, you believe that now. And as you look at that, the Old Testament, you have got a whole lot of teaching, and you've got a whole world that was in a big mess. And they had uh, particularly, we get a focus on Israel and uh, the north and the south, the Samaria and Judah. And we see how they vexed God ten times to the point that he said enough is enough, and somebody said enough is too much. <laughs> so he decided uh, long before the foundation of the world that the time had come and rolled around, and the tenth vexing had come and got on God's last nerve, I suppose. And he decided that it was time to give them a good spanking. So he did. And uh, they wouldn't obey. Their unbelief kept them from uh, getting into what God had planned. And so the Lord decided to just step back a little bit. And he wouldn't talk to them anymore. The prophets had no word. One place in the, in the scripture it said that the prophets are like the wind. They just give it a bunch of air. But that's it. They had nothing else because God wasn't talking. God wasn't giving any word. God wasn't giving any direction. He was not guiding them. They didn't want him, so he said, well, then try it without me for a while and see how you like that. And so obviously it became a big mess, and at the same time, it turned loose every kind of uh, wild person in the name of a conqueror and they were constantly going back and forth throughout the land of Israel, trying to conquer it and use it as a base of operation or something, until they had uh, pretty much destroyed everything and uh, left them in quite a big mess. So everybody wanted to be a world conqueror. And uh, when all the while the Lord is saying, I wanted you to be the conqueror. I wanted you to conquer the world that needs conquering the most, your natural world. I want to give you the strength and the victory. I want to uh, give you the power, the encouragement, everything you have need of. And so, but they had, they had decided that they thought they could find something better. And that's proven many times throughout the Old Testament. So the Lord said, I've got a remedy for you. I'm just going to leave it quiet for a little while, soften you up, see if you'll get ready for it. And then he brought John the baptizer in the spirit of Elijah the prophet 
And he came as a messenger, and he began to turn the hearts of the uh, sons to the fathers, and so on and so forth, to the point that he came preaching the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. And as the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare you the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And this was John the baptizer. He uh, did not look like everybody else. He did not. He was different than everybody else. He was surely set apart. And it was a, the main thing to understand, it was a good difference. Okay, It wasn't uh, weird. It wasn't uh, a rebellious difference. It wasn't a look-at-me difference. It wasn't it's all-about-me difference. It was a difference in the sense that he was not going to represent conforming to the world or to the natural realm, but that he was going to bring that which you need to conform to, and that is to the spiritual realm. And so as John went about doing the business of the Lord, then he even warned people that had come out, thought they were going to take this over. And the enemy tried to work through them, and they wanted to shut down the anointing of the Lord through John and the instructions of eternal life through John. And they wanted to just bring their same old, same old, same old, that which they could control and legislate the power of God out of the picture. And I'm telling you, these spirits are not new to us today. They're the same, what the Bible calls in Revelation, that old serpent. Same old devil, same old spirit. He may dress it up a little differently. He may look at, like, make it look a little different, but it's the same old spirits. And they, the, the whole thing is to do away with the spiritual realm and let's operate everything in the natural realm, in the fleshly, carnal realm. Bible tells you, and it is contained therein, that that natural mind, that carnal mind, is the enmity or the enemy of God. So we don't want really anything to do with that anymore. Hence, Jesus said you must be born again off water and of the Spirit. You've got to get an experience here that's going to give you a spiritual experience and put you into a spiritual realm where you can start thinking with the mind of Christ. And so as John the uh, baptizer was baptizing people and, and put a stop to those that would try to take it over and legislate God out of the picture, as they'd already done so many times. And so he looks one day and he sees Jesus, his cousin, younger, coming over the hilltop there, and, and he tells everybody to take a good look because, behold, the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. And so as everybody was taking a good gaze at him, here he comes marching right up. Now he is the Almighty God come in the flesh. He is the invisible, showing himself visibly. He made the sun, the moon, the stars, everything, the constellations and beyond what we know anything about and including what little bit we do know about where we live. He made all of that. He spoke it all into existence. Here he is embodied in the flesh. He is, that flesh is there as a body prepared because he's going to give it on the cross. He's going to shed the blood of the Almighty and he's going to do that so that you can have your sins fully pardoned and forgiven and remembered no more. He doesn't just forgive you of them, he gets rid of them. Not going to, he, he wipes them out of the memory banks. Isn't that great? And you're not going to remember those things anymore. You shouldn't want to remember those things. Don't let the devil do what he does, and that is dig those things up. He wants what he did. He got all in a Twitter. <laughs> That's a bad word nowadays, right? Okay, he got all fussy about, uh, I mean, it's punny. 
he got all uh, stirred up with uh, Michael the archangel. He had it out for Michael anyway because Michael stayed with God and the devil got booted out. So it pays to stay with God and the church and the leadership and the teaching and, and, the, and the doctrine of Almighty God. And let me tell you something, there's a check and balance to everything and the check and balance is you stay with me if I stay with a book. I leave the book, you're free to go, okay? Everybody said amen? amen. Everybody said praise the, Lord. praise the Lord. All right, so uh, the devil got booted out. Jesus said, I watched him fall like lightning, and let's go to work. And so he began to go to work by being an example. And the Bible said for you to follow his example, follow his steps. And what's even better is he's telling you that you don't have what it takes to get in the right steps and direct yourself, but he's telling you, I'm going to be in you, and I'm going to lead and guide you. And one place he said he'll set our feet in his steps. Nothing like just, you know, uh, a guidance system here. Uh, they've got a big deal set over at airports, and you're coming in in that plane. You don't know what's going on. You're buckled in back there, and you're uh, probably got your head back and relaxing and trying to and your eyes closed and hope we get on the ground soon because the two most uh, unpredictable things in flying is take off and landing and you're wanting to get on the ground and, and feel better about things. But there is a pilot up front and he has a little bit to do with that plane landing but a whole lot has to do with the electronics. That's where the money comes from in building those things. And uh, he's got it uh, an instrument landing system that is designed to put them right on the runway, in the middle of the runway, not to the right, not to the left, but in the middle of the runway, right on what we call the numbers. And friend, he lands that thing down, and he taxis you in, and you debark, and you, well, I feel better now. That's right, and it's so wonderful. Well, there's a place called heaven. There's, there's that which he said the street is of gold, my friend. And he's telling you he's going to guide you right from here to there and set you right in the middle of it between two gates of pearl. And I want you to understand he wants you to land right smoothly and have the truth that guides you in the spirit of truth. You don't have to miss this and you can't afford to miss it by one little iota. You've got to do it right. You've got to do it chapter and verse. You've got to stay with the book. Amen. Mustang with chapter and verse. Hence, you need to know how important it is to have the Holy Ghost. That's what Jesus was teaching. And he has now, goes right up to John the baptizer, Almighty God come in the flesh. And here he's looking him eyeball to eyeball. And he says, well, baptize me. And John wants to fuss with him. Why do people want to fuss with the pastor? I don't know. He's only trying to tell you what needs be, what's necessary, what is essential and what is best for you. And don't you understand that John, John the baptizer had to get backed up. He had to get slapped down. Jesus told him, hey, you just do what I'm telling you, pal, and don't make a fuss right now because everybody's looking, and they're, in, they're all wondering what we're supposed to do, and I'm trying to get you to work with me so we can do what we're supposed to do. I need to show them. I need to be an example to them. And so... And you know, then there's, I'm sure John was very sincere, but there are so many that have a false sense of modesty and, you know, humility. And, uh, and he just said, well, you know, I need for you to baptize me. And that, Jesus, that wasn't cutting any ice with Jesus that day. 
what did it say? I'd rather you be obedient than sacrifice. It'd be just nice if you just do what I tell you. You know? Everybody said amen? amen. All right. Don't worry, my wife's back there. She's hearing me. Amen. I always like Sister Ann's um Sister Ann's little phrase when she got married to Pete and they, they had the steps here and they were kneeling down in a rehearsal, practicing. She's downstairs, but she's heard me tell this many times. And uh, Pete was an old outdoorsman, a woodsman, and uh, came right out of the middle of the lake out there, Torrey Island. And his family had been through the hurricane of 28 and all of that. And, and old Pete, you know, he there wasn't too much he wouldn't eat <laughs> after he caught it. And uh, he did have a few exceptions, though. But uh, he was big and rough and tough, and she was telling him how she wanted this wedding to go, and we were in the rehearsal, and, and so he was kind of, he always had the phrase and the saying that you could ask him anything, but don't tell him anything. That was how Pete felt about things. And uh, I figured the best way to make that work was just don't get yourself in a position where you need to be told then, right? <laughs> and sometimes we do that to ourselves. So uh, anyway, that was Pete's uh, little line, and and finally Ann got a little frustrated because he wasn't cooperating in this wedding rehearsal. She finally just exclaimed, she said, Obey me, Pete! <laughs> so I kind of think that's how Jesus was feeling with John the baptizer right then, you know. The God of all eternity robed in flesh right in front of him. Obey me, John! It's a simple line. Baptize me, okay? <laughs> Nothing difficult here. If I needed Einstein, I would have had him here, but I just need an obedient person. And so keep that in mind as a little reminder to you when you start feeling a little indifferent to the word of the Lord or to the instructions through the pastor and the leadership. Just keep that in mind, you know, that obedience goes a long, long way with God. And he prefers it. He prefers it over most everything. Okay? He wants you to be obedient to this word. And he's made it clear, you don't have what it takes on your own to make heaven. You just cannot do this on your own. And so Jesus is baptized in front of everybody. And John, what a blessing John got out of it, what he would have missed. Because the Bible said that when Jesus came straightway up out of the water, you've got to get in it to get out of it. And so bringing him up out of the waters of baptism, and by the way, coming up out of the waters of baptism is when you are born again of water. That's when that takes place. And then the Bible said you have to also be born again of the Spirit. Notice it said the Spirit, not just any spirit will do. A lot of folks say they have a spirit, and I agree with them, only it's not a Holy Spirit. That's the problem. Okay? But we want to have the Holy Spirit. And so as, as Jesus came up out of the waters of baptism, then the low the heavens were opened over him, and the Spirit descended upon him in the form of a dove. And John, beholding that, got such a blessing because that was the sign that he would know that he was not in error, but that he truly was in the Spirit, going in the right direction, doing the right thing. And, uh, you know, if you stay with this Word of God, you stay with the chapter and verse, then everything, the Bible said, even these signs shall follow them. So I'm trying to tell you God's got everything lined up. And I've had people ask me many times, how do you know when God is talking to you? And I tell them, well, do you know that I'm talking to you? And they'll go, well. And I say, well, God can speak a lot louder than me. 
You know, he can get through to you. All right? Don't, don't, you know, God is not um, frail. All right? Strong is the Lord God. All right. So he, he knows how to speak, and he knows how to get his point across. And you and I just need to realize that he has a system of doing things. You can learn that system, and it all begins with you getting born again of water and of the Spirit receiving the free gift of the Holy Ghost, just as it was demonstrated here in your Bible in Acts chapter 2. And as you read Acts chapter 2, you will read how they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they all began to speak with other tongues or languages as the Spirit gave them the utterance. Okay, Mary, como está usted? I did that. I know that. That's about the limit of my Spanish right there. But I know that, okay? And my, my, my monsieur back there, como se va? That's the end of my French Creole right there. My beginning and ending. But I did that because I learned that. That's my human understanding. Okay? But when you get filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, it is an experience from another world. It is a heavenly experience. The Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, the Scripture says. And when he fills you with the, when he fills, when he judges that you are believing in your heart, then he's going to fill you with the gift of the Holy Ghost. He's going to send forth his spirit into your believing heart. And you will begin to confess him then with your mouth as he speaks through you. He gives you the ability to speak in another language that you do not know at all. Okay? And it will be a supernatural experience. It will be a God-given experience. All right? It will be a spiritual experience. And it will put you in to the church, the body of Christ. And everybody said amen. amen. And Jesus, foretelling them of this experience and getting them prepped and getting them ready and giving them some orientation, then that so when they came to the time of Acts chapter 2, giving them last-minute instructions, being seen alive of, of them for 40 days, and he's, he's with many infallible proofs. Then the Bible is teaching you, the scriptures are showing to you that he's telling them to go to the upper room in Jerusalem and to wait there for the promise of the Spirit. For he said, you've been told about. Well, I'm reading to you in John 16 this morning, some of him telling them ahead of time about this. He was getting them ready, getting them prepared, because he said, hey, I'm leaving. Got my bags packed. I'm out of here. Going out of here now, okay? But um, that left them a little confused and a little worried, and I'm sure that that would happen to anybody. And, uh, but he reassured them. He said, I will not leave you comfortless. He said, I will come unto you, okay? And then he said, when he, the Holy Ghost, the Comforter, is come, and he's going to lead, and he's going to guide you into all truth. Notice that his spirit will only, the spirit of truth will only guide you into all truth. All right? So you're not going to be taken down any false trails, any dead-end roads. You're not going to wind up like the fella that uh, was listening to the wrong people and following the wrong people and involving himself with the wrong people and justifying it all along the way, and he wound up in the catacombs. And nobody could do anything with him. Nobody, his own family had to throw him out. Couldn't do nothing with him. They didn't throw him out. They just had to open the door and out he went because he, he wanted to be somewhere else all the time. 
and they couldn't do a thing with them. Authorities tried to get a hold of them, but they, all they were left with was broken chains. And he headed with some other guy that he got with, and they went to the catacombs. And there they wandered all the days of their lives, nobody able to do anything with them. And you can get that in your mind, again, naturally, or you can realize that many people are in a great confusion in their heart or in their mind, and they uh, constantly wandering around in their mind and trapped by it. That's why it's so good that Jesus preached to the spirits that were in prison. Isn't it nice when your spirit gets in prison that the Word of God can pierce right through in there and bring you a message that will get you out of there. And Jesus came all the way. Jesus came all the way across the Sea of Galilee. And he stepped on shore, and boy, something perked up inside of those two dudes. And they suddenly headed out of the catacombs. And man, I think they had a race. Must have been fat and skinny, uh, you know, because fat fell down and skinny won the race. And old skinny fell at the feet of Jesus Christ. <laughs> I never read about the second guy's point. I guess he didn't make it out of the catacombs quite, quite all the way. And, uh, you, but you focus, the scripture focuses in on this one guy, and he falls at the feet of Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ, of course, asks him, uh, what is thy name? And he said, ah, my name is Legion, for we're many. And he said, is that so? Well, he said, you know, today, y'all are to go. And out they went. And uh, the devil begging now. All those spirits, so big and bad and so tough, you know. And they suddenly were begging, uh, could we go live in the pigs? Would you mind if we, that's the resort we'd like to be in, the pigsty resort. Would that be okay? Give us a vacation. Don't send us to the bottomless pit. Don't send us to the abyss. Don't cast us into the deep. Please don't do that. Begging. The devil just begging, you know. You know, God puts the church in a position that is the head not the tail. God puts the church at a, in a in vantage. He took one prophet by the hank of the hair and lifted him up to a vantage point, way up in the mountain, and let him see how things look from that vantage point. You don't have to let a spirit depress you down to where you're always got the blues. I told you about that guy that uh, fellow was singing a song and they were all getting together and trying to, you know, and... Uh, and this one guy was always down and out, and they told him, they said, man, why are you always down in the basement? Why are you always digging holes? Why are you always singing the blues? I feel so bad. Why is that always the way you are? What you need is a good Holy Ghost experience that will lift you up on the mountaintop, and you can see it right from the right point of view. Amen. Amen. I like what our evangelist said. He likes everything about the church. And if you can get in the right vantage point, that means a place of advantage. Have you never read that we don't want to give Satan an advantage? We don't have to do that. He's to be uh, put under our feet. We are to tread upon scorpions and serpents, and nothing shall by any means hurt us or harm us. You have nothing to fear from them. Do you hear me? What we need to be a little bit aware about is our own selves. And we need to make sure we're believing the Word of God, believing the truth of the Scripture, taking Him at His Word. Take Him at His Word. And He'll lead and guide you into all truth. He's not going to take you down to the catacombs. He's not going to take you into the twisting, dead-end places of life. You don't have to worry 
People, guy, I had one guy, a friend, we were starting a new field working, and everything out of his mouth was how, 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 until I started calling him Chief How, you know. Yeah, I told him, I said, man, you, you're like an Indian, man. Everything is how. And I told him, I said, you're going to see how God's going to do it if you'll just be obedient to it. Watch and see, you know. Our God is great. Our God is mighty. You don't have to, to fret or worry or, or uh, you know, figure it out for him. Lots of people do that. You know, they don't think God can do it, so they go figure it out. And, of course, they don't have it in them to do it right, as the book said. If they'd have just believed the book in the beginning, then they wouldn't have even attempted to do that. Somebody asked me just recently about something, and I said, we're going to do it whatever way God says to do it. Whatever God decides, that's what we're going to do. If he says this, we're doing that. If he says the other, we're doing the other. I said, that's, that's the only way I know to do it. I want what God wants. I think I told you about um, preaching very young one time, preaching in, uh, for my pastor, and he would get you at the last second to tell you to preach. You had no warning whatsoever. You might just be sitting there and enjoying the service, getting ready for him to get up and preach, and he'll say, uh, Brother Fell, get up and preach. Oh, okay. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> you know. I remember we were building a building in Miami, and um, I was digging the ditch. That's when I learned how to use a, a drag line. And uh, he trained many young men around. I remember Brother Williams came. He didn't know what a shovel was. But I introduced it to him. I said, hi, this is a shovel, and I'm going to show you how to use it. <laughs> and not only him, plenty of other young men that grew up around here. And, uh, but uh, I remember I was digging that trench, and my pastor standing right over me, and he was a very big, imposing fellow. And he was standing, and all the guys were all around, and they were all laughing and up their sleeve because they knew what was coming. I'm just digging. I'm sweating. I don't know nothing. I just know i got to get another shovel full. Let's go, you know. And uh, he knew that I, he was about to send me out to do a little preaching, and uh, he said, Brother Felt, he said, we're going to preach on the first night. So I just popped one little theme out. And, okay, he said, but there's going to be more than one night. Where are you going to preach the second night? Well, popped another one out. He did that to me like five times. And I wasn't too happy having to give away five of my inner thoughts here ahead of time. But I wasn't about not to either. <laughs> so I, and I'm telling you what, after a while I said, he said, well, what are you going to do the next night? And I said, study, study. <laughs> in other words, I'm about out now, Brother Dunn. I'll give you all I got right now. So I'm saying to you that um, we want to stay with the book. We want to stay with chapter and verse. And we want to keep digging, and we want to keep believing, and we want to let the Lord give to us what we have need of. And believe me, uh, when, you, when you have hit your wall, you can't figure it out, then you just remember that's where you've done all you can do. At least you think you have. That's when God takes over. Okay? That's when he takes over. He'll pick it up at that point. He'll go straight on with it, and you get to follow along if you will. Okay? That's who's going to know. They that follow on to know. That's what your Bible says. Okay? So you just hang in with God, hang in with the book, and uh, stand with me. We got an evangelist here this morning, and uh, I'm so glad you're here. We're glad to have you with us, and uh, I want us to get ready to worship the Lord. And I don't know if sisters coming or sisters coming or the sisters are coming, but somebody needs to move. And uh, we're going to worship God in spirit and truth this morning.
And we love and appreciate every one of you that are here. And uh, Brother Will Banks is going to have a big time with, the, with you and the Word this morning. We're so glad to have the Will Bankses here. Let's give them a big hand. Hi, right, Pete. All right. Proceed.
Everybody said praise the Lord. I want the praise team to come. Let's give God a big hand, shall we? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And everybody said praise the Lord. All right. Praise the Lord, everyone. At this time, we want the ushers to get ready. Everyone say God bless the offering in Jesus' name.
Let's worship the Lord all over the house today. Jesus, we love you. God, you're so good. God, you're so wonderful. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise today. Hallelujah. How many are so glad to be back in God's house, back where we can feel the presence of God with one another? Because I get to feel the presence of God every day when me and the Lord talk. But it's not every day that I get to feel the presence of the Lord with all my brothers and sisters present with me. And it's good to be back in the house of God today. Hallelujah. Let me give you a scripture text, and then I'll uh, say some appropriate things. Psalm 24, we will read from Psalm 24, verse 1, and also from Matthew 12, if you want to stick your finger in Psalm 24, and, uh, or excuse me, we'll read Psalm 24 first, Matthew 12 second. While you're turning, I would like to say it's been an honor to be here. An absolute pleasure. I have eaten well. I have gained weight. And there's nothing wrong with that, okay? All of you skinny people out there, you have no idea how much fun you're missing. And to Senior Pastor Feld and his wife, the hospitality has been first rate. Scripture says to give honor to whom honor is due. I wonder if we can just take just a second and just give a hand clap of thanksgiving for our, the man of God here. God has blessed you with a man to preach the word of God to you. Psalm 24, if you're there, say amen. Psalm 24, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The world and they that dwell therein. For he hath founded it upon the seas and established it upon the floods. Verse 3, who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart. Let's read verse 4 together again. He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul into vanity nor sworn deceitfully. He that hath clean hands and a pure heart. Matthew chapter 12. Let's begin reading with verse 33, Matthew 12 and verse 33. Matthew chapter 12, verse 33 says this. Either make the tree good and his fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and his fruit corrupt. For the tree is known by his fruit. And, O generation of vipers, how can ye, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Let's read verse 35 together. A good man, out of the good treasure of the heart, bringeth forth good things. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure, bringeth forth evil things. I would like to preach to you for just a little while today about the heart. And I want the Holy Ghost to touch us. I'm not going to preach for long. We've already heard the word of God today. But we want the Holy Ghost to come in and seal something in our spirits from everything that he's talked about today. And, and uh, so I'm going to preach to you about your heart. Every single person in this house today, I'm preaching to you. And I want you to, one more time, let's lay our Bibles down. Let's ask the Holy Ghost to touch us. 
If you got something in the way today that would hinder the word of God from finding good soil, why don't you move it? And let's ask God to touch us right now. Jesus, we love you. God, we thank you for everything that you've done. God, we thank you for your spirit that's here. God, we thank you for the touch of the Holy Ghost that we felt. God, we've come today yielding our vessel to you. God, we ask you right now, God, to make us ready hearers of the word of God. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, Lord, let your voice ring clear today. Lord, let your voice ring clear today. Lord, let your voice find a place in my heart today. God, let my heart be right with you. God, I'm not interested in my own ways today. God, I'm interested in your ways in the name of Jesus. And I wonder if we can clap our hands one more time before we're seated. Hallelujah. Smile at somebody that's next to you and show them your pearly whites or pearly yellows, whatever the case may be. And you can be seated in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Everybody say, I want my heart to be right with God. Hallelujah. So thankful for the teaching of senior pastor today. He fed my soul. Uh, If this is your preacher you might be in trouble. But if this is your man of God, you're going to be okay. If he's just the one that you come and listen to preach, you might be in trouble. But if you've made him your man of God, you're going to be okay. And I'm thankful for the word of God that I heard today. And he might be uncomfortable with me saying this, but that's okay. He can be uncomfortable every now and then. I believe that God has made him the man for this city and for the surrounding areas down here. I want to tell you something, and and we'll preach here in just a second. Uh, We're preaching already. I'm already preaching. Some of you need to jump on all the way with this man because God is giving him direction. He's not operating of himself. God is giving him direction. And I love him. Senior pastor, I love you. God bless you. Hallelujah. The basis for doing well is the heart. The basis for doing well is the heart. The heart is the center of vitality. It is the life sustainer for the human body. We generally talk about the heart in three different ways, in three different categories, three different realms, if you will. The first one is the physical sense. We talk about the heart in the physical sense. This is the organic heart. It's the one that's seated right here inside your chest cavity. The heart is the, it's the hub for the human body. The heart, as you know, this is not a biology lesson. This is all stuff that you know. This is the first way that we talk about the heart. The heart moves blood through the entirety of the body. It's, it's, in, it's responsible for the internal transportation of essential goods, all of the food that you eat, your heart. Pumps blood through your body, carrying that nutrients to your muscles and to your bones and etc. And uh, it's so it's important for the transportation of essential components for human life: nutrients, oxygen, the removal of waste, healing. There's healing agents inside your blood that your heart moves through your body. Reconstructive agents it rebuilds your body. One of the leading causes of death today in the United States and probably worldwide. But certainly in the United States, one of the leading causes of death in our country is heart disease. Whether that be congestive heart failure, heart attack, heart murmur, whatever the situation would be, it's one of the leading causes of death. I have a cousin who lives in Houston, Texas, 
And uh, I've been to Houston, Texas, and it's the only place that has mosquitoes bigger than Belle Glade, Florida. Yes, everything's bigger in Texas. Hairdos are bigger in Texas, and mosquitoes are bigger in Texas. And uh, I, in fact, I heard two mosquitoes saying about me one time, should we eat him here or take him home? You know, but that. But he lives in Houston, Texas, and he went to uh, Starbucks or Five Bucks Coffee, and he was sitting there in the coffee shop with his fiance at the time, and and he stood up to go to the counter to get the drinks that they had ordered, and when he stood up, he said the world grew very dark, and I collapsed onto the floor. And he said, I laid there for a second, and everything cleared up. And this funny feeling that I had went away. He said, so I got up, and I stood up again. He said, and when I stood up again, the same thing began to happen. I, it was like I was looking through a tunnel, and this feeling came back over me, starting in my chest, and, I, and he fell back down. And he said, while I laid there, he said, the funny feeling went away, and the, the, the oddity in my vision went away and I got back up. And he said, when I got back up, the funny feeling came back on me and the, my vision began to blur and darken again. And I wanted to say, and he fell back down again. I wanted to say, well, Terry, why did you keep getting up? If this is happening every time you get up, stay laid down for a little bit, okay? And what had happened? They called the ambulance, took him to the hospital. And what had happened? He had in his heart from the day that he was born, he had an extra nerve. Didn't know you could have such a situation. But he had an extra nerve in his heart that sent an extra and a too strong of an impulse from his brain to his heart. And his body's defense, I've never heard this before, senior pastor, his body's defense against this situation was to begin to lay a layer of heart tissue or muscular tissue over that nerve to deaden that impulse as it came into his heart, that unhealthy impulse, until by the time he was 22 or 23, those layers of flesh and tissue that it had put over it had actually formed a little bit of a flap on the inside of his heart in one of the valves of his heart. And when he would stand up, that valve would cover up an outgoing vessel that was going to his brain. And it would cause him to pass out. But when he'd lay down, that flap would uncover from that vessel and, he, and everything would come back to normal. So they went in, they did a cath a scan on him, or they did a catheter, ran a catheter up into his heart and clipped that flap off and deadened that nerve. I don't know if my cousin could get up today and preach to you this sermon, but he could definitely get up today and tell you that one of the most scary things you'll ever experience is if something's wrong with your heart. Hallelujah. Now, that's the first way that we talk about the heart is in the physical sense, the organic sense, the natural sense, the heart that's sitting right here in my chest. The second way that we talk about the heart is in the poetic sense, the romantic sense, the I love you and you love me sense. This is the second way that we talk about the heart. We talk about love being an issue of the heart. I have a little boy that's been sleeping with me because we're not at home and we don't have a crib to put him in. And so he's been sleeping with me and underneath me and on top of me and on top of my head. And the only reason I don't throw him out of the bed is because 
He's got this place in my heart that won't let me do it. I love that kid. Okay? So this is the second way that we talk about the heart. Uh, I'll never forget the first time I saw my wife. I would have described it to you. Oh, she caught my heart. This is we talk about the heart. We don't talk about any other part of the human anatomy this way. We talk, she caught my heart. We never say, uh, she stole my face. She stole my heart. Okay? The first way we talk about the heart is in is in the natural sense. The second way we talk about it is in a poetic or romantic sense. The third way, a third way we talk about the heart, we can talk about the heart of the issue, or this is the center of the issue that we're talking about. This is the heart of the matter. Uh, So there's another way that we could talk about the heart. But the way we're going to preach about it today is not in the natural sense, or not in the poetic sense, or not in the sense of it being the heart of an issue. But we're going to preach about it from the Christian sense and from the scriptural sense. And in the scripture, the heart is the very center of a human being. It is the spiritual hub of that human being. It goes beyond being a natural organ. It goes beyond being a romantic feeling. It goes beyond being the center of an issue. And it literally becomes the center of who you are as a human being in your relationship to God. Scripture says that the heart becomes the core around which all of our life revolves. Proverbs 4 and 23 says this. Keep thy heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. Psalm 119 and 10. With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. Psalm 19 and 14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Jesus said this in Matthew 7 and 6. He answered and said unto them, Well hath Isaiah prophesied unto you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Notice this is the way Scripture is talking about the heart. It's speaking to you and I today about the heart. It's saying this is dealing with your relationship to God. This is dealing with your connection to the heavenlies. And you need to make sure that your heart's right. Let me stop for just a minute and tell you, if you haven't hidden the word of God in your heart, your propensity to sin is natural. It's going to happen. The only way to not sin against God is to have his word hidden in your heart. If you don't have your worship right, you better get your worship right. Starting in your heart. If you want God to be pleased with you, you and I have got to get our heart right with him. Oh, let's do it right now. Let's love him. Let's worship him. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. God, you're so good. God, you're so good. I worship you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord bless you. You can be seated. I remember I've been privileged to have grown up in apostolic truth. And around apostolic people my whole life. I don't know what it's like to not go to church. I'm thankful for that testimony. I'm thankful for your testimony. Mine is not the only testimony that's a success. Yours is a testimony that's a success. 
And, but I remember in the prayer room at South Flint Tabernacle, hearing those old ladies of God pray, the ones with the white hair that had been praying for years. Senior pastor, they could pray until it would make the hair stand up on the back of your neck. And they would pray, and sometimes it would go beyond something that words could say. And it would be just a wail. It would be a, a, a moan. Dad was the preacher, so I went to the prayer room with Mom. And, uh, and you could hear some of those old ladies of God in there praying. And, and, and this is how it went. This is not, it, it would just, oh, God, only, only it'd be, it would be, uh, it would be high-pitched. And it would be, they would be getting a hold of God, and you could feel it. There was no pretension about this. There was nothing fake. This was genuine. This was real. And these ladies of God were touching the throne room that day. And, but I can remember hearing old timers pray uh, when I was a little boy. And, and you don't hear this a lot anymore because of the nature of our society and just the way that we go about our lives and so fast paced. And even in, here in our small towns, everything is so fast paced and we all have microwaves and we have toaster ovens and this and that. But these people knew how to tarry in the Holy Ghost. And these were people that knew, I, I, I'm not coming out of the closet today until I've gotten a hold of God. And then, and I, I'll be here until such and such uh, happens. And God gives me a release in the Holy Ghost. But I remember hearing them pray. And some of them would be praying for a lost child, a lost son, or a lost daughter. And they would pray in this manner, God, reach down right now and touch my boy's heart. Touch him right now. And I remember hearing them, and they would come, and just as a matter of routine, just as a matter of uh, uh, this is how I pray and this is what I do, they would come in and make themselves right and say, God, search my heart. God, make sure my heart is right with you. And, and, uh, and they would pray for so-and-so. God, make his heart tender to the word of God today. And they seem to understand that if God's power and God's word is going to have any effect, it's going to have to find its first effect in the heart. Hallelujah. They would write songs. They would sing. They would quote songs. Oh, Lord, my heart is fixed. They would write songs. Well, something, something got a hold of me. Oh, yes, it did. Y'all know that one? Something, something got a hold of me. Well, I went to a meeting one night. Yeah, and the, and the church would be swaying my heart. My heart wasn't right, but something, yeah, something got a hold of me. The second part of that song, it was the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost, well, it got in my hand, it got in my feet. Oh, praise God, it got a hold of me. Yeah, I went to a meeting one night and my heart wasn't right, but oh, thank God, I went to that meeting and the Holy Ghost got a hold of my heart. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You can be seated. Moses says this statement in Deuteronomy. And all of our children can quote this. And if you've been in church any time at all, or maybe if you weren't, and perhaps if you grew up with Jewish lineage, you would say this before you would go to bed, or perhaps at other times during the day. But 
Moses said this in Deuteronomy 6 and 4, perhaps one of the most recognizable passages in all of Scripture. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. How many believe that today? Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Let me apply it to you. Hear, O saints in Belgrade, Florida, the Lord our God is one Lord. But that's not where that stops. The very next verse says, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart. Why don't we do that right now? If you believe that he's one, why don't you love him with all your heart? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Lord bless you. You can be seated. Moses said, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thine soul, with all thine might. Notice this. And these words which I command thee, this day, these things that I'm preaching unto you, perhaps Moses could say, these things that I'm commanding you this day, the law of God, these things that I'm telling you shall be in thine heart. Notice that. Not in thine ears. Not in thine mind. These things that I'm commanding you this day shall be in thine heart. One of the most weightiest statements in all of Scripture. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And Moses connects it to the heart. I have a couple of friends right now. Neither of them, neither of them are, I would consider, they would not but I would consider them to be 100% backslidden today. Lost out with God. And we sat in the same church. And we listened to the same preaching. And we heard the same songs. The same preachers laid hands on our heads when we were younger. We sat on the same pew. We ate the same bread and drank from the same cup, if you will. But somewhere, somehow, the word of God did not find good soil in their heart. And today, under the sound of my voice, there are people in this church that you've been coming to church for a long time, perhaps. And you know how to dress. And you know how to shout. And you know how to say amen. And you know when to clap and when to nod and when to do all this. But I'm going to tell you something. You had better let the word of God find good soil in your heart today. You better let the word of God find good soil in your heart today. Yeah. Because there will be a day when the one that searches the hearts and knows your heart from the inside out is going to come and he's going to say what is this that's in your heart? Why would you not let me search your heart and find you favorable? I want my heart to be right with God. I want my heart to be right with God. 
Oh, brother, I want my heart to be right with God. Why, just right where you're sitting. Why don't you just say, God, search my heart. God, search me. Come on, let's love him for just a moment. God, you come back into my heart again today. Oh, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let me preach to you right now. I see the young people and and young children sitting on the front row. Let me preach to you young people for just a moment. There are some things that you better get in your heart. You better get in your heart that there's only one God. You better get in your heart. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the 14th verse of John 1, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father. Yeah, you better get in your heart, Colossians 2 and 9. Yeah, for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And the next verse said, ye are complete in him. You better get in your heart that there's only one God. You better get it in your heart that there's only one God and his name is Jesus. Yeah, 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 come on. I wish there was a mama and a daddy that was backing me up in the Holy Ghost right now. You better get it in your heart, young man, young woman. There's only one God. There's not three. Child of God, you better get it in your heart that living holy is the only way to be pleasing unto God. That there's not two ways about it. If I'm, I'm either holy or I'm unholy. And I'm going to be living holy so that I can be pleasing unto God. And I'm going to be lined up with what the man of God preaches. And I'm going to be lined up with what the word of God preaches. And I'm going to be lined up with what the house of God says I need to be lined up with. Because there's no two ways about it. Living holy is not in my mind. It's not in my hands. It's in my heart. You better get this Acts 2.38 message in your heart. There's not two or three or four or five different ways to be saved. You don't have your way and she has her way and I have my way. There's only one way that you're going to get into the kingdom. You've got to repent of your sins. You've got to be baptized in Jesus' name. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. You can be seated. You better get apostolic living in your heart. That I don't take a second off. I don't take a moment off. Do I do it perfectly? Oh, no, 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 no. Hey, there's nobody further from perfection than me. I'll tell you that right now. But you and me are together on that same bus. We're on the imperfect bus together. But the Holy Ghost helps us. But we don't get to take a minute off for being a child of God. We're not a child of God on Sunday. And then on Monday we're a child of something else. We don't taste of Holy Ghost wine on Sunday and taste of, of cocaine on Monday. Whatever you want to put there. Yeah. Yeah. We don't partake of the Word of God on Sunday and a soap opera on Thursday. Say that again. If, if I was in Alabama, I'd say... You don't partake of amazing grace on midweek service and Kenny Chesney on Thursday morning on your way to work. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You don't partake of what, what, what did you say? What was the song we just sang right before I preached? No, right before I preached. Whatever. You don't partake of that song and then partake, partake of P. Diddy later in the week. 
All right? Hey, you got to get apostolic living in your heart. It's got to be in your heart. Yeah, 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 yeah. Why don't you just commit your heart to him one more time? Hallelujah. Jesus, I love you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We read in our text today. You can be seated. We read in our text today. In the book of Matthew, chapter 12. Jesus said this. Very famous, very poignant line. That we all know, even if we don't know the location, chapter and verse. Out of the abundance of the heart. Let's try that again. Out of the abundance of the heart. Out of the abundance of the heart. The mouth speaketh. What he's trying to say. Out of the abundance of the heart. First of all, he's speaking to Pharisees there. But I'm not speaking to Pharisees today. I'm preaching to, first of all, Gentile. That have been blood bought. And have had our nature changed. And we've been brought into the church. All right? But out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Notice that. He didn't say out of the best that was in the heart, the mouth speaketh. And he didn't say out of the worst that was in the heart, the mouth speaketh. He said out of the abundance, just whatever's in there the most. Amen. You guys could say amen to that right there. It's not the best that's in my heart, and it's not the worst that's in my heart. It's just what's in there the most. I'm going to tell you something. Sometimes it doesn't take discerning of spirits for the pastor to tell what's going on in your life because it comes out of your mouth. All we got to do is have our ears open. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we can tell. Uh Uh-huh. We can tell if a young man having this problem or that problem because we hear him talking about it. He can't help it. That's what's in there the most. That's what's going to come out of his mouth. We can tell if so-and-so husband and, and, and there's a little problem with adultery because somehow it's going to come out of his mouth as we're going to hear it just a little bit. And yeah, so, but what we want, we don't want those things coming out of our mouth that are evil, but we want those things, what we want to hear. We want to hear somebody's talking about the word of God, that God is all together lovely. We want to hear somebody. I love it when I talk to a soul winner. I don't, we don't even have to be talking about soul winning, but it just automatically comes out of their mouth. We're just sitting there eating a hamburger at the hamburger joint. But so-and-so can't help it because that's what's in their heart the most is, I'm, I want to go win a soul unto God. And, I, and, and you talk to a young people that sold out, to a young person that sold out to the things of God, and, and you're just sitting there trying to eat your Taco Bell. But the Holy Ghost is in them, and that's just what's in their heart the most. And they just want to talk about things that pertain to church and things that pertain to the word of God and this is how we live and oh I just love this hallelujah I don't know about you but I want the things that come out of my mouth let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight oh God so let me give you as you're seated let me give you a tip let me give you a tip. Learn to listen to yourself. <laughs> Better yet, learn to talk to yourself. They say it's the mark of all well-integrated, healthy personalities that they talk to themselves. I am one of the healthiest persons that I know. My wife will say, I saw you. She'll pass me in town or something. I saw you today and you were talking to yourself, weren't you? 
And I say, all well-integrated personalities talk to themselves. You need to learn to talk to yourself. Yeah. You need to learn what's coming out of your heart. Well, you do. Yeah. And you need to learn, okay, what did I just say? What did I just hear coming out of my mouth? That's not me. That's not the best that's in my heart. But that must be what's in there the most at this time. And if it's good, praise God and keep speaking. But if it's bad, pray unto God until he changes your heart. Yeah. That's why I want to tell you, worship and praise is a proper expression of the heart. Psalm 9 and 1, I will praise thee, O Lord, with my whole heart. Psalm 138 and 1, I will praise thee with my whole heart. Before the gods will I sing praises unto thee. I want to tell you. Let's all stand. Why are you standing? Let me tell you. Preaching of the gospel. Scripture says about itself that the word of God is quick. It doesn't mean it's real fast. It means it's alive. That the word of God is quick and it's powerful. And it's sharper than any two-edged sword. So while I'm preaching today, (laughs) the word of God Scripture says that it's a discerner. Wow, the Word of God can discern. That means you might fool me. You might pull the wool over my eyes, over senior pastor, and over the leadership and youth ministry. and You might pull the wool over my eyes, but you're not going to pull any wool over the eyes of the Word of God. It's quick, and it's powerful, and it's sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and it knows the thoughts and the intents that means the word of God I might not even be preaching about what your situation is today but the word of God the word of God is walking up and down these aisles and it's getting in the pew where you live yeah the word of God's coming right down here where you're at yeah probably senior pastor doesn't ever do this but I the word of God getting right down here where you live and he's saying yeah I know I know exactly where you're at. Yeah, yeah. This, I'm not even preaching about what you're going through right now, but the Word of God knows, and 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 I, I don't even know what's going on inside your mind. But the Word of God, while I'm preaching, the Word of God's massaging your brain, and it's touching your heart today, and it's getting down here where you live, and it's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Oh, and so the Word of God. So while I'm preaching to you today, the word of God's walking up and down your eye. Well, I don't like that, preacher. I don't like the idea. Well, it doesn't matter. You came today, and the Holy Ghost led you today. You wouldn't be here if the Holy Ghost hadn't led you. And the word of God's getting down here where you live, and, and the word of God is saying, hey, uh, you, know, you know what's going on. You need to take care of that. Well, I know I, I, I know I need to take care of that, but I'm not going to. But the word of God says, yeah, but you should. And, 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 and it's piercing your heart, and that's what you feel today. And, and you can't preach the word of God and it return void. And you can't preach the word of God and it not go to its intended purpose. So I know it's happening today. It's happening from the front to the back. Yeah. The word of God is kind of moving its way because that's what the word of God does. 
That's what the preaching of the Word of God does. Peter got up and preached. Preached just about the whole book of Joel in Acts chapter 2. You can read about it. He preached about it. And Scripture says when he got done with his preaching, he's covered the sun, the moon, the stars, and blood. And, and yeah. And Scripture says when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart. Yeah. And they ask a very important question. Okay, men and brethren, what must we do? You got me. Ah, you got me. Shot me right in the heart. What do we do? And Peter, like a cold-blooded preacher, draws back another arrow. I'm aiming for your heart again. And he lets that arrow go. And he says, you got to repent. Poof. Repent. Because of your nature. I've seen your pastor preach to us about, talk the word of God to us about this morning. And you got to be baptized in Jesus' name. And there's not another way for you to be baptized. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And there's not another way for you to get the Spirit. And when you get it, it's going to fill your heart up. And what's filling your heart up is going to come out of your mouth. The abundance of your heart is going to come out of your mouth. Yeah. And you're going to begin to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gives you the utterance. For this promise is unto you and unto your children and unto your children's children. Notice he's not making a geographic. He's making a generation and your children's children and then your children's children. And I'm going to be pulling for the heart of your children's children. Hey, the Holy Ghost is tugging for somebody right now. Church, I wonder if we can just lift up our voice. If you know how to pray, why don't you, why don't you just lift up your voice? Let's ask God to touch us right now. I love you, Jesus. 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 Now, now I know that the Word of God has touched somebody's heart today. You can't come to the house of God and the word of God not touch your heart and not find its way. And it doesn't matter old or young today. Saved or sinner. And you're going to have to, if you're a sinner, you're going to have to admit that and say, I got to repent. Otherwise, you're going to die in your sins. That's not being me, me being hard, cruel, or unkind. I'm just telling you. There's only one way for you to get hope. The hope of eternity. And that's you got to repent. From that nature. And you got to let God refashion your heart today. So we're going to pray again. Saints, as we begin to pray. I don't know how you normally do things, but this is how we're going to do it this morning. As you begin to pray, I want you to begin to make your way down. If you brought somebody to the house of God today and you feel and they want to come pray, why don't you bring them with you? 
and let's just come. Let's find a way and a place and submit our heart to it. Let's pray right now all over the house. And as you pray, let's come to the front. I love you, Jesus. Have your way. Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. it as the Holy Ghost leads you. Why don't you find somebody? Minister to them in the Holy Ghost. Lord, I give you my heart. 